Well, I'm going to tag team preach this message if you guys are okay with that. Actually, before we do that, hey, can we give thanks to Morgan who put that all together? I don't know where Morgan went, but yeah, that takes a lot of practice, you guys. As you can see, I don't have that. So I want us to open up our Bibles. Kids in the room, if you guys have a Bible, we're going to open it up to Mark chapter 14, one of the Gospels, Mark chapter 14. This is the time in our, in our services, whenever we get into our message, that we open up this Bible and we see what it has to say to us. Now, as you guys are opening it up, let me ask you, kids in the room, how many of you guys have been on a train? You guys ever been on a train? No kids? There's one. There's one. There's a couple. Yeah, Patrick, you've been on a train, PJ? You on a train, Sean? Awesome. The Strasburg Railroad, very good. Yeah, do, did it look like this one? It was kind of like a Thomas train, yeah, a little more like Thomas. But uh, yeah, this is actually a, a steam engine, so this is a little old school uh, for some of the great hair saints in the room. And uh, I've got no room to talk, though, because actually my pop, uh, his name was Howard, he actually drove the train down in the Western Maryland Railroad from Cumberland to Frostburg. I have a picture of him driving train. I want to show you. Yeah, there's my pop. He's no longer with us, but he was an awesome man, and, and I love him so much. And, uh, but it was so cool because I would have some cool opportunities to go on the train. In fact, the next picture I'll show you, that's him driving the steam engine. So they still had the steam engine train that would go from Cumberland all the way up to Frostburg through the mountains. And because I was special, can I get an Amen. Okay, because I was special, I got to do some pretty cool things because my pop drove the train. One of those things I got to do, we'll look at the next picture, I got to shovel the coal into the, the heat. I got to shovel that coal. So the, basically behind the, the steam engine, there's a, there's a car that's called the coal car that's behind it. And so you'd shovel the coal out, and then you'd shovel it into that thing. You'd, you'd press something down with your foot that would open up that hatch, and you'd throw the coal in there, and it would make that thing hot. Let me just tell you, that's no joke. That fire gets over 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot. That's really hot. And so I had the opportunity to do that, and, and that was so much fun. And then when we'd go by, like, railroad crossings, I'd get to pull up to do the train. So I had some awesome opportunities with that. But one thing I know about trains, as we're thinking about this steam engine here, is, is that it's going down a certain track. So a train engine holds a lot of cars back behind it, right? And then it takes those cars down a certain track. Like if, for example, we want to go to Florida, if we don't want to fly down there, and we want to take the train, Laura, then we would just take the train down to Florida and we know where it's going, right? But here's the thing. Some of us are on tracks taking us to what we think is going to make us happy or bring us fulfillment. But here's the thing. When you decide to follow Jesus, you are not just adding Jesus as a train car onto your train. You're totally switching tracks. Many people just try to add Jesus as like part of their life and go on living how they want and going down the same track. We try to keep control and drive the way we think is best, but the best, most fulfilling life is the one Jesus has planned for us. Because Jesus' power is what pulls us through. Maybe the old track was your family, your career, your education. A lot of people are just racing down the track of happiness, just trying to latch on to whatever car they think is going to make them happy. 
When I think about people in the Bible, though, that I, that I see switch, totally switch tracks, one of those people was Peter. How many people have heard about Peter before? Peter in the Bible. Yeah, Peter was actually one of the first disciples of Jesus. We see in Mark chapter 1, Jesus calls him. He's walking by the Sea of Galilee. In Mark chapter 1, verse 8, 16, it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon. Now, his name was changed to Peter, so Simon is Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. Everybody say that with me. Come, follow me. Let's try it one more time. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. You know, what's incredible about this is that Andrew and Peter, they were some of the first disciples, one of the 12 disciples that got to follow Jesus around for over three years. Over three years, they were with Jesus every moment, sleeping, eating, even breathing in the smells of Jesus. They were that close to Jesus all the time. But did you know that even Peter didn't always stray on track with Jesus? And so I want to share with you, we want to share with you, a couple of ways that we can get off track with Jesus out of Mark chapter 14. Alicia, would you guys give Alicia a hand as she shares the first point here today? Hey guys, how are you guys doing this morning? Oh my goodness, that wasn't convincing enough. You guys are in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. I said, church, how are you guys doing today? Yeah, that's more like it. That's more like it. Thank you so much, Pastor Chris, and happy late birthday. Can we get a happy late birthday for Pastor Chris? Yeah, definitely. Don't look a day over 50. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 49. <laughs> All right. I just want to dive straight into the word today. And how did Peter get off track? And I'm just going to read Mark 14, 27 through 29. And it says, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I will risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Even if all fall away, I will not. I can just imagine Peter in this situation. I bet he's like standing next to the disciples hearing Jesus, and he's like, even if they fall away, Jesus, I will not. This is a prime example how he let his pride blind him from the track that Jesus has set him. You see, he spent about three and a half years with Jesus, and he saw everything. And when I'm reading the Gospels, I like to put myself in the shoes of the disciples, like just to hear Jesus teach on the mountaintop, just to see Jesus heal the blind, just to see Jesus multiply the fish and the bread. I would never doubt Jesus. I'm like, Peter, what were you thinking? Why are you talking back to Jesus? He's Jesus. You saw him. You saw the miracles he did. How can you talk back to Jesus? But can I tell you guys something? It's top secret, but I have to tell the truth. I have Peter moments. You have Peter moments. We all have prideful moments, and we let that blind ourselves and get, off, get that out of, out of track. And if you have a Peter moment that you let your pride get in the way, 
please let me know after service so I can feel better because I'm about to share my biggest Peter story. Going into senior year, me and my friends were excited. We were going to be the big dogs on campus. We were going to be, it's just going to be an awesome year. We were so excited. We were like, we're the big dogs. We're going to run this town. And I remember we made a vision board of us running the student section, of us going to states, of us competing at districts. But then soon later enough, I let that become my identity. I let that become my reputation, and I cared more about my reputation than actually serving. And I remember there was a specific moment in time in my high school experience that Jesus had told me to go talk to the weird kid at school. But I was like, no. I don't want to be seen with the weird kid. I don't want to be, I don't want to sit with him at lunch. And I missed the opportunity to spread the gospel. And I find I found myself having a Peter moment. And can I just encourage you today, church, to not have a Peter moment? <laughs> I, I don't want to see the church get off a of track because we're too focused on our identity. And I remember there was a time where I lost everything during COVID-19. I lost everything and school was shut down. I had nothing, what felt like I had nothing. And I remember being on my knees crying out to God, God, I lost everything. God, why is this happening to me? And I remember there was a point in time where God had to humble me, and then I realized that I had everything, and that was Jesus. I was focusing on the temporary worldly desires. I was focusing on the desires that I had. I was focusing on the career path that I thought God was calling me to, but it was all self-satisfaction. And I was focused on that, and Jesus humbled me, and he said, I'm the one who holds tomorrow. I'm the, one who, I'm the only one who can fill that void, and I died on the cross so that you can have everything with me. So seek me. And I like this verse, and it's convicting. When I heard this verse, I was like, oh, that convicts my heart. And that's Psalms 10, chapter 4. And it says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there's no room for God. You see, 17-year-old Alicia wasn't too focused on, on seeking God. She was focusing on her own desires. She was just like Peter. And I'm so quick to point at Peter and be like, Peter, how can you do that? But I had my Peter moment. I had my Peter moment. And I just want to emphasize the first point, and that's that Peter lost track. He, he went off the track because he was prideful. And many of us do that today. But can I encourage you guys today to be humble? Amen. And Miss, Miss Day is actually going to come up and explain the second point. So can we give it up for Miss Day? Thank you, Alicia. She's so hype. So I don't know how I follow. I don't know how to follow that. I, and, and my point, the second way that Peter got off track was laziness. So I'm up here. I'm like... I'm like slothing up here. I don't. Apathy, really. Um, lack of interest, lack of enthusiasm, lack of concern, or for a better term, or for a more familiar term, laziness, because that's probably one that's more familiar, especially to the kids in the room. So we're trekking through Peter's story in the book of Mark, and Alicia shared how Jesus said that to the disciples. Now, that happened at the Passover meal. We call it the Last Supper. Happened at the Passover meal, and Jesus says this, and, you know, Peter's like, not me, not me. 
And right after that meal, Jesus takes his disciples to a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, to pray. And he takes James and Peter and John a little bit further away, and he says, stay here and watch and pray so that I can go over here and pray alone because he knows what's coming. So he asks them to watch and pray. And here's where we pick up the story, Mark 14, starting in verse 37. It says, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, this happened three times. Three times Jesus goes back and finds them sleeping. We've acted this out upstairs in kids' church several times before, and it always comes across comical. Like, we've got snoring and drooling and, like, the arm drop, you know. Wake up! But in all reality, this is a critical moment in Peter's life because every time he fell asleep, every time he closed his eyes to pray, he fell asleep, and he wasn't paying attention to the enemy that was approaching. In case you don't know the rest of the story, Jesus was arrested that night in the garden, which ultimately led to his crucifixion. So remember Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the spirit, we're talking about our soul or our mind. The flesh, we're talking about our body, our human nature with all of its moral and physical frailties. I've got a lot of them. I don't know about you. I think we probably all do because the Bible says the flesh is weak. We all have flesh. Kids, you know what flesh is. That's skin. Point to your skin. You have skin, right? We all have skin. We all have flesh. We are all weak in our own human nature. So it's important for us to have some spiritual disciplines to help us to not be lazy, to help us to stay on track with Jesus. All right. Well, what are these spiritual disciplines? So just to name a few, praying reading your Bible, going to church. You guys are all here. You can give yourselves a hand, a little pat on the back. Uh, Fellowship with other Christians, with the body of believers. Fasting, worshiping, evangelism. These are just, to name a few, some spiritual disciplines that we need to practice until they become second nature in our lifestyles or habits, if you will. So I was trying to think of an example of one for me And something that I used to really struggle with was worry. I would get worried and stressed. So because I get to be up here today, and I am often, our family gets used as a sermon illustration. So it's a little bit of a role reversal today. My husband has a motorcycle. He doesn't, it it needs some work, so he hasn't ridden in a while. But he has a motorcycle, and when he first got it, I was terrified Not because I thought he was, you know, a bad driver, cyclist, whatever. (laughs) But other people, you know, it's dangerous. Motorcycles are dangerous. And so every time he would leave the house, I would have, like, heart palpitations, like serious stress and anxiety over this. And I would pace, and I would, you know, be watching. I would text, like, did you get there yet? You know, or or if the siren would go off, because we live in Wrightsville. You all know the, the siren that we have. I'd hear the siren. I'd be like Googling York County Dispatch, like what happened? And, and God convicted me and said, pray. Duh. Like I know we're not supposed to have a spirit of fear. 
So I began to make that a practice in my life. The moment that I started to feel stressed or worried or anxious about that or anything really, pray, prayer has become my default. And now we have another driver in the house, and I still do it. I pray every time she leaves the house. I don't know if that will go away someday. I'm looking at some older parents in here, and some of you are shaking your head. No, I don't know. So, but prayer has become a default for me. It's a spiritual discipline that I have learned over time. And you'd better believe that Peter learned a lesson that night in the garden too. And it's no surprise to us that he writes to the church years later in the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Where are my kids at? Kids, you ever been to the zoo? Raise your hand if you've ever been to the zoo. Or maybe you watched like Animal Planet and you've seen a lion. You've seen a lion before? Okay. When they roar, it's loud, right? It's scary. It's intimidating. But when they're trying to hunt, they're super sneaky. Okay. They prowl around. And that's the picture that Peter is painting for us of the devil, our enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's me. That's you. He wants to trip us up. He wants us to sin and move further away from Jesus. And that's what happens. If we start to nod off to those spiritual disciplines in our life, we do grow further from Jesus, and then we're more susceptible to sin. So we have to be alert, be of sober mind, and that can help us to stay on track with Jesus. So we've got pride, we've got laziness, and now Pastor Chris is going to come and share the third way that Peter got off track. Yeah, let's hear it for day. Now you'll know to look for Pastor Aaron tearing through Wrightsville on his motorcycle, right? A little concern. <laughs> Well, I want to share with you guys this last way. And if we're following this story, if you have Mark chapter 14 open, they're in the garden, as Miss Day was telling you guys. And as, they, as they're in the garden, he goes to them three times, right? Wake up, wake up, wake up. Finally, the third time he says, wake up. The people who are coming to arrest me are here. And a whole crowd shows up. A whole crowd shows up and they arrest Jesus. But Peter's pride still gets in the way. You know what Peter does? He pulls out a little sword and he goes, ha, ha. And he chops off the ear of a servant. And Jesus goes, Peter, Peter, put, put the sword away. He grabs the ear and he puts it back on the servant and he heals him in that moment. Isn't that crazy? The pride got, still is getting in the way. So there's pride, there's laziness. And then we see Jesus gets taken away. And we see in Mark chapter 14, verse 53, they took Jesus. These are the people that came. They took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests. The elders and the teachers of the law came together. Now look at this next line. Peter followed him at a distance. Everybody say, at a distance. Yeah, at a distance, Peter followed him. See, up until this point, Peter was right there. Peter was Jesus' right-hand man. He was there for everything. But all of a sudden, he's still following Jesus, but now it's at a distance. And it says, right into the courtyard of the high priest. There he sat with the guards and warmed himself by the fire. So the third way that I want to talk to you about is separation, is the distance that we have from Jesus. We see at this point, Peter's still following him, but for the first time, he starts to distance himself. Then all of a sudden, as he's sitting by that fire, there's a servant girl that's walking by, and she sees him, and she goes, hey, 
Aren't you the one with that, like, that guy from Nazareth, that Jesus one that's up there? He's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. No, and he denies Jesus. And then Mark chapter 14, verse 68, he says, I don't know or understand what you are talking about. He said, and look at this. He went out into the entryway. He's still separating himself from Jesus. At first, he was a little distance away sitting by the fire. And then the next moment, he's out in the entryway. He's moving further away from Jesus. And then it happens again. Somebody else comes up to him and says, yeah, aren't you one of those like Galileans? Weren't you hanging out with that Jesus guy? No, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And then it happens a third time. Somebody says it. And then the third time he says, I don't know this man you're talking about. At that moment, a rooster crows a second time. Got somebody's attention. The second time the rooster crows. And in that moment, Peter realizes that something was fulfilled. Jesus had said, before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. If that's not bad enough, the Gospel of Luke tells us that Peter looks up at Jesus, and it says that Jesus turns his gaze and looks at Peter. Could you imagine what that felt like? It says in that moment that Peter started weeping bitterly. He just started weeping and crying, and it said that he went away. Finally, there was a separation. Now, when I'm telling you guys about separation, I'm not talking about just a physical separation, like Jesus was here and Peter was there. I'm talking about a heart separation. See, Peter had totally detached from the engine. Peter had totally detached. You can be in the middle of a church service right now. You can be reading your Bible. You can even be praying, and yet your heart can be far from Jesus. Can you believe that? Peter was, think about this. Peter was still in the temple court. He was still right there. I mean, he saw Jesus. He could still see Jesus. Some of you, you know, you're in the temple court. You're in the church, but your heart is far from Jesus. He had distanced himself from Jesus. Isaiah 29, 13 says this, these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Now, I I teach my kids. My kids were in the first service. Eden is eight and Gray is five. And I mean, I teach my kids rules like don't jump on your sister. That's a good rule, right? Uh, You know, so when we think about scripture, I certainly teach kids rules like honor your mother and father. Amen, parents? Guys, let's hear an amen. Come on. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little concerned about the parents, what they're teaching the kids. Do not murder. Amen? Yes. So we, we do. We teach kids rules, but, but this isn't just a, a rule book that you, you beat your kids with the rule book and tell them how to do it. No, this is all about having a heart that's close to Jesus. See, this is a sad moment, but we know as the church that this isn't the end of the story. Jesus does. He gets led away, and, and he has to carry his cross up onto the hillside, and then they crucify him. They kill him on a cross. Jesus dies, and Peter is nowhere to be found. And in that moment, it seems like all hope has has gone away. But on the third day, something happened. Can anybody tell me what happened? He came back to life. He rose from the dead. Can I get an amen, church? Jesus rose from the dead. 
It's an incredible moment. And in fact, Peter and John are some of the first people to go to the tomb. And and Peter looks inside and and he sees that nobody's in there. Jesus is gone. They're wondering, did somebody take the body? What happened? And then later that night, it says that evening, Jesus shows up in the middle of them all hanging out, talking to each other. Jesus shows up, shows the scars in his hands. They see the resurrected body of Jesus. And they realize Jesus is alive. Jesus didn't just die. He resurrected from the dead. And it's an incredible moment. But now we see in John chapter 21, the very end of the book of John, the Gospels, we see a situation that the disciples, they don't know what to do from here. And so they go back to doing what they always did. They were fishermen. They went back to the sea. They were on the Sea of Galilee. Again, let me remind you, that's where we started this story. They were on the Sea of Galilee, and they decide, well, what else do we do but just go fishing again? And so they're fishing, and all of a sudden, this guy, they can't quite see him. This guy walks up on the shore. They had fished all night and caught nothing. And the guy yells out, hey, why don't you throw your net on the far side? And they're like, all right. And so they, they throw the net on the far side, and they catch so much fish, they can't even pull it into the boat. Suddenly, something snaps with Peter and John. They say, that's Jesus. Yeah, that must be Jesus. Peter takes his outer garment. He wraps it around his waist, and he jumps off the boat into the water. And kids, don't do that. He jumps off the boat into the water, and he starts swimming for Jesus. He recognizes there's Jesus. He's not going to let it go this time. This time, he wants to follow Jesus and get as close as he can. And when he makes it to shore, there's already a fire burning on the shore. And Jesus is already grilling up some fish for him. It's funny because he says, hey, bring, bring me the fish. But, but Jesus already has fish. Isn't that amazing that God already provides for us? And he allows us to be part of it anyway. And, and Peter shows up and Peter is sitting there with Jesus. I mean, I can't imagine this moment. Peter is right there beside a fire again. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Peter is beside a fire again. This time, Jesus is right next to him. And in John 21, they finish eating, and Jesus says to Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, you know that I love you. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs. A second time, a second time, he says, do you love me? Peter's like, is there an echo in the room? I I just said, yes. Yes, I love you. Yes, Lord, I love you. And Jesus says, then take care of my sheep. And then in John 21, 17, the third time, number threes, Jesus, uh, Peter fell asleep three times. Peter denies Jesus three times. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt. You know why Peter was hurt? This took him right back to that moment. He recognized what had happened. He was at a fire again. This time, instead of denying Jesus three times, he has the opportunity to accept Jesus, the resurrected Savior, because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times, Peter suddenly recognizes, oh, I get it. I get it. I'm here by the fire again. 
I remember denying him three times and that look that he gave me, he looked me in the eyes and I saw that I had, I had denied my Savior and, and now here he is, the resurrected Savior is, is sitting right next to me. Again, I'm, I'm right next to him and Jesus says one more final time to him as they're sitting there by the fire, he says, follow me. Follow me. He gets back on track. He, he connects up to the engine again, the, the power of Jesus to be able to pull him through. You see, Jesus meets us and, and assures of us, us of his love and forgiveness at the very place of our failure. So I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's pride. Maybe you've been going down the wrong track. Maybe you've been following after something and, and you just keep going and going and going in the same direction because it's all about you. Jesus can meet you right there. Jesus can meet you right where you're at. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe you've gotten out of, out of the habits that God has called you to live, like reading your Bible, praying, going to church, spending time with the people of God. Maybe it's one of those things, and, and Jesus was right there with you. He's saying, come on. Come on. Do you love me? Do you love me? Or maybe it's just separation of your heart. Maybe you, you're literally sitting here right now, you're listening to my message or you're listening online and, and, and you realize that, listen, I've been going through the motions. I don't have like the passionate commitment that I once had, like when Pastor Chris was talking about opening up in that 2,000 degree fire of that engine. I, I, want, I want that passionate commitment again to love the Lord and to follow him all the days of my life. I, I need that. I don't know what it is for you but there's hope for you, just like there was for Peter. I want to show you one final picture. Uh, my pop on that train with the Western Maryland Railroad, that's the actual steam engine that he would drive there. And that thing that they're on is called a turntable. So they would, if they needed to turn a car around, they would put it on the turntable and the turn, it would turn around so that it would go in the other direction. So you know what's crazy though is that's what the word repentance means in scripture for you to turn for you to get on that turntable and realize listen I've been going down the wrong direction I've been following after the wrong things I thought that this is what was going to make me happy but I am realizing now that I want to hitch my car to the engine of Jesus Christ that he would be able to pull me through I want to turn my life from pride from sin uh, from laziness from from separation from God and I want to turn and I want to be with Jesus you have that opportunity this morning, this afternoon, whatever time it is. <laughs> but I want to give you that opportunity. Would you stand with me as we close this service? Everybody standing. I, I want you just to close your eyes here this moment. Just close your eyes for a moment. Kids and elders alike, bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to pray for you because, listen, I've been there too, just like Alicia's story just like Day's story. I've, I've been there. I, I've been at those places where, where I realize that my heart is just not in line with what Jesus is calling me to do. You have the opportunity right now to turn and to face him. And he will turn his face and shine his face upon you. And he'll ask you this question. Do you love me? It's a very simple question. I'm not talking about, did you read your Bible this morning? I'm not talking about did you worship this morning. I'm asking you this one question. Do you love him?
head bowed and eyes closed. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we, we set this set up. We had this incredible time of worship. Lord, we shared some fun stories, but ultimately, Lord, it's your word that does the work. And so right now, Lord, I pray that hearts would be open. Hearts would be receptive to what you want to do in this moment. God, I believe that there's people in this room that even now you're stirring something inside of them, like, like shoveling the coals into the fire to heat it up again, uh, to renew a commitment to you, Lord, uh, to stir up the gifts that you have called them to use in the church. And so, God, I'm praying right now, right now, God, would you meet them in this moment? Would you meet them in this moment? Now, keeping your eyes closed and heads bowed, if today, as I was sharing some of these things with you, you would say, Pastor Chris, that's me. I've been, I've been dealing with selfishness, with pride, or Pastor Chris, I, I've gotten lazy. I, I've, I've walked away. I, I've, I've fallen asleep. I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to be doing when it comes to my commitment to the Lord. Or maybe you're sitting here today or standing and you would say, Chris, my heart is just not on fire for God right now. I need that fire you're talking about. If, if that's you today, I'm going to ask you this one question. Do you love him? Do you love him? And if that's you today and you're saying, that's me, Chris, I, I need, I need that, that love and that commitment and that, that passion for Jesus just put a hand up right up in the air right now today. Just go ahead and put your hand up. Yeah. You can go ahead and put your hands back down. Let's pray for those that lifted their hands this morning. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord, that you meet us at our point of failure. You meet us at our point of frustration, God. I believe there's somebody in this house that raised their hand that has been frustrated. They might have even been frustrated with the church. I feel that so strong here. And God, I pray, I pray you would renew that commitment in their heart to be on fire for you again, to, to know you in the deep recesses of their heart, Lord. For the students and the kids that raised their hand in this moment, God, I pray, Lord, they'd be able to passionately say, yes, Jesus, I love you. You know all things. I need you, and I love you, Lord. I want to attach to your power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray right now, Lord, that power would be embedded into their hearts in this moment. Lord, just like me opening up that hatch and throwing the coals into the fire, would they just ignite with passion for you and commitment to your word and who you say that you are. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying on the cross for them. Thank you, Lord, for resurrecting and bringing resurrection life, that they would have life, but not only that, life to the fullest, God, that we would be on the track that you are calling us to go. God, we thank you for it. We love you, Jesus.